0: chosen to tune in to
1: DLC,
0: especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to help the only way we know how, by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, ExpressVPN. And Third Love, they're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's always money in the bank, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
2: Hello, Jeff. Hello, dear audience. Um... You got to like, we got to confer on these sometimes. Like, I, I think I know
0: this one. Um, it's a wrestling reference. It's WrestleMania weekend. That's I, what
2: yeah. I, that's what I assumed. That's what yep. I assumed. So, yep. um, and it's rainy there. So I will add that, but we can do a little better. I think we can just give me a, give,
0: <laughs> give me. No, some. I want to keep you on your toes. You got to see, I see how you bob and weave, you know, see how I, I, see I bounce how you off the, the exactly. ring there thing. Yeah. I like how yeah. eight years in you're like, maybe we should confer on these. <laughs> <laughs> I got a new idea uh hey we got a big show for you ladies and gentlemen it is uh it's gonna be a fun one we got games to talk about we got news of course and we have an awesome guest to do it with you know the dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week oh man i'm excited because dlc stands for developing a lineage that's contemporary because we have the modern vintage gamer himself, Demetris Giannakis is with us. Hey, Demetris.
1: Hey, what's going on, Christian and uh, Jeff? Thank you for having me on, man. That was a hype intro. I've never been introduced like that before, so I'm pumped, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure.
0: It's it's I'm, my job to pump. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we're pumped. Um, All right. Let's let's keep the pump train going, <laughs> going forward and start the show the way we always do. No, you know what? No. I'm not going to start the show yet because I have a couple of questions for you because not only are you the modern vintage gamer, you're also a game dev. I am. And you're working on uh, some stuff that I think is pretty fascinating and I wanted to maybe ask you a few questions about it if you're cool with that. Sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, The first is because you work at Night Dive and System Shock is being remade. Yes. and, And I... I heard a little birdie on the internet uh, in the form of a tweet say that uh, System Shock, there will be a version that supports VR.
1: Yes, there will be a version that supports VR. Your information, your little birdie is is 100% correct. There, There will be a VR version. I'm very excited about this. I just wanted to point...
0: I just wanted to tell you I'm very excited about this. It's not going to be at launch, though, right? Is that the idea?
1: No, that's not... My, my understanding, it's not going to be at launch, but it's definitely something that's in the works. And uh, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have more to announce with with that particular version. All right. Very cool.
0: I'm so, so excited for that. But I, I'm curious about, um, you know, a, a classic like System Shock, remaking it, working on that. What has that experience been like?
1: Well, I will... For full transparency, there's two teams that work at Night Dive. There's the Kex Engine developers, which is where I work. Okay. And there's also the System Shock team. So I'm not actually part of the System Shock Ah. team, but I do actively um, get involved in the testing and uh, some of the QA stuff, just helping them out with, you know, getting that game across the line and shipped out the door. So I am, you know, I am playing the game. I am testing the game, but I'm not actually game devving in that space. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that the whole company is, you know, actively uh, yeah. playing and looking at I'm, the moment.
0: And we're close, right? I mean, there's been a demo. Um, yep. uh, it sounds like the game is relatively close.
1: Yeah, I think uh, over the summer, it's uh, it should be out the door, and um, we're all very excited. And uh, I've been playing some internal builds, and uh, it's it's awesome, man. It's going to be so cool if you're a System right. Shock fan. Uh, obviously, people that, that are System Shock fans are, are looking very closely at this game, and they know what it's all about, but... Um, Check it out if you're if you're not sure what System Shock is. I think you'll really appreciate it. It's it's got all new bells and whistles as well, and it's uh you know it runs at sixty on on you know most most you know medium spec PCs and four K and DLSS and all that all that cool f- fancy stuff that you get with a modern PC experience. So definitely That's exciting. I, love I am the, so excited.
2: The smooth and humble flex. Of, I mean, I'm not working on it. I, I play it. I'm playing it. It's awesome. I'm playing it. It's 4K. And it's great. But yeah, I'm not working on it. But anyway, uh, meanwhile, Jeff's just like it, it's in VR, and, uh.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I mean I, I mean, I loved System Shock back in the day. It was it's a classic. So it's uh, it's exciting that it's getting getting the modern treatment. You know, I think that's going to be really really fun.
1: Well, that's um, what we that's what we do at Night Dive. I mean, that's yeah. that's the mo of the company. Is you know bringing back these old, obscure games from, from the depths, literally. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we do and that's what we love to do. Yeah. And I think that's great. I mean, a lot of this stuff is trapped
0: by, you know, uh, old technology and the ideas were sound, the concepts, the stories, the, the, even the mechanics in a lot of cases were really solid and fun, even with the limitations of the hardware back in those days. And to be able to bring that stuff forward to folks that maybe weren't alive then or <laughs> didn't yeah. play it or even uh, those of us that remember it fondly. I, I think it's a great, I mean, it's it's cool that video games are in that place now where we can remake these classics
1: and make them look and play better. Absolutely. I absolutely yeah. agree. And that's honestly, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I signed on and joined, joined that, that company. It's, I love, you know, gaming in the nineties, you know, that was, that was my yeah. bread and butter, you know, yeah. big box PC gaming. So, I mean, that's what we do. we We basically you know scour video games for for licenses for old old i p and if we get them, then you know look out world because we usually like to remake those games fantastic,
2: and speaking well, of
1: big boxes, sorry, Jeff. I mean, no go ahead.
2: I think it was Shane. I forget where I saw this. It's like a thread going on Twitter recently, and um you know, within the last five years, Jeff, recently uh but those nineties PC boxes brick and mortar be danged you know like those things were on unru- it was like some of them were puzzles to open it was like a triangle attached <laughs> to a sphere with yeah. a crystal skull on top and you're just like how do you put this on a shelf yeah, we
0: went from we went from like electronic arts's flat almost like a record album look to everything got real big and, and chunky and boxy and you'd open this big thing up and then there'd be like these little three and a
1: half inch floppy disks inside it you know I, I love, love that, of that stuff. stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of that, that era, you know. Yeah, me just too. Just all the, all the quirky, kooky-looking boxes, and none of them were standard. They're all different sizes and shapes, and when you put them on your shelf, it's just kind of a mismatch, but I, I love it. I love that yeah. look. Yeah. It's like walking through a fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the show and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. King. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your comments, your questions, stories, whatever's on your mind. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Or you can visit our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com, or our Discord, which is also 5x5DLC on the old Discord. Uh, but, Demetris, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider your story of the week?
1: I think the biggest one, even though the Sony Last of Us remake is, was you know, rounded out the week, but for me, I think E3 is not dead is probably the one that really surprised me last week.
0: <laughs> yes, because we all thought E3 was dead. Right?
1: We just <laughs> we all assumed
0: it was dead. And here we go with an announcement that E3 2021 is happening. It's digital only, so it won't be an in-person event. I think probably wise, even though a lot of us are getting our vaccines and, and the world seems to be coming back in some semblance. But you know, June seems pretty early to do an in-person event. So I think wise of them to have it be digital only. But as a digital online-only event, there will be a bunch of big-name companies that have signed on. There was an announcement this week from E3 saying that Microsoft, Nintendo, Take-Two, Konami, Capcom, and Ubisoft have all agreed to participate in this digital event. So we don't quite know exactly what that will look like, how that will work, if there will be playable demos involved if there will be um just a sort of a schedule of bespoke individual companies making presentations uh, how that will work at all but demetrius i'm wondering what your take on this is i mean we still know that uh, a lot of companies like sony and square enix and activision and ea and sega are not going to participate or at least haven't announced so far yeah. um so what what are you hoping for from this and what do you what's your takeaway do you think that this means that we'll see E3 continue beyond 2021
1: Well I mean I think you know last year was obviously a uh, not a great year for the ESA right I mean and not not just for the ESA but for video games in general with basically every convention and show was canceled including E3 and you did wonder You know, how is E through How is the ESA going to respond, you know, to this? How, how are they going to get back? Because look, last year we had, uh, the Summer Games Fest, right? Which was, I guess, essentially just a, a a running list of small bite size announcements and Twitter drops and presentations. And it was just a bit of a mess. You know what I mean? Like it, it didn't really, it didn't really kind of, fill that void that that e3 you know um had although you know we were getting information uh, constantly over the summer and beyond it just wasn't the same thing and i think ultimately the esa has come back and said look we know how to put on a good show we've done this for many many years we've done this before you know we know how to do this and this is kind of their their step back into getting that show again and i'm i actually am a little surprised that they didn't cancel e3 again this year so you have to give the esa credit for you know mounting a a show and, and getting it back even though it is a fully digital show this year but you know to answer you know the second part of your question look i do expect that e3 the way it was will return next year unless you know um you know we've completely misjudged um you know the, yeah. the uh life after vaccinations uh thing but right. i do expect uh, e3 to come back next year as a you know as 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 normal but look you got to give them credit for you know trying to do something this year i think last year was was not great um in general and even though you know there are some big publishers that are not going to be a part of this show I also think it is a good step back you know, and trying to get get the show back and, and get it back to some sort sense of you know relevancy again because I think the other part is that it felt like that they were maybe in some danger of just you know n- not being relevant anymore because you know a lot of these publishers just turn around and say look we'll put on our own digital event we don't have to pay millions of dollars to you guys to do right. this we know we could do this ourselves so why do we need the ESA anymore but um obviously they still have a you know a part to play in this whole thing and uh, I think you know even though there are some publishers that are not going to be here this year I do expect to see that you know they'll start to trickle back and and join e three again you know in the coming years do you
0: if e three is basically just a bunch of individual companies doing their own branded Uh, presentations but it's kind of grouped together under one week is that enough i mean i guess that's what it was in the live version in in a large sense yeah um so i guess that is enough right just having it branded under e3 and having one week where it all happens yeah is enough right i I
1: I think so i mean if you're i mean there's two paths to this because i mean if you're at e3 you're getting the full E3 experience but if you if you don't attend E3 but you just you know follow along with E3 on a live stream you know in previous years this year probably won't feel any different you know watching it than it would if you you know on previous years right so i yeah, think I if they true. if they kind of just you know if the format is like that which i think it will be then it really won't feel any different i guess the only difference is that none of us are going to be there this year yeah
0: yeah Well, Christian, uh, if E3 is back, you know what that means. The E3 bumper is back after a year off. We can bring it back, Christian. How about that? I mean it's the story of the week
2: that the bumper being back is the story of the week. <laughs> that's, that's what the people want to hear, man. Uh, it, it The ESA has had a rough couple of years with, uh, you know, doxing everybody who attended the event. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I was on that list by the way. Yes, yeah, yeah. so was I. Uh,
2: many of us were, uh, I have moved dear internet. I want to let you know, it's not hard to find my address now, but please know that's an old one. <laughs> um, it's, uh, And then it had some other issues as well, but I I agree with you both that um, I know I'm trying to think how to say this. I know video game websites had a great year last summer um, because we were all at home clamoring for anything, you know, entertainment, media, news. I need to have all of it, but I personally got tired of looking for where these announcements were going to come from. And like, whose week is it this week? Oh, I totally missed this indie thing because of this thing. And it just felt like constant, but also never a lot, if that makes you're saying sense. The,
0: you're saying the structure is valuable.
2: Yes. 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 Yeah. The structure is valuable. And while E3, even as an in-person event, had issues, I think, for the, a, a few years – I like that it brought the industry together while I'm sure the ESA did not like EA doing their own thing two days before and Sony doing their own thing the same week. I understand like from a business dollar cent side of things that was frustrating, but I like that it brought everything together as one kind of moment in gaming where even aside from the old idea of like, well, USA today is going to cover it or it's going to be on CNN. It was just a nice, time where a lot of news would come together and people that already celebrate the hobby could celebrate it online and in person, but also, you know, online in big ways with fun hashtags. And it just felt like this communal event that I think last year was missing as great as summer's Game Fest was and and the stuff that Keely did. Like a lot of those things were interesting and valuable and I hope they continue to grow, but I really missed that communal experience. And I hope well, I'm not like, you know, rah-rah ESA by any means. Um, I hope that having an E3 event can maybe help bring that back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay to like E3, but maybe not like the management, right? I mean, you know, yeah. they've, they've definitely made some mistakes over the last few years. And look, the doxing thing is is something that, even though it's it's been about two years since that happened, it's still something that really just doesn't sit well with a lot of people and so i think you know e3 you can love e3 but you don't have to necessarily love the esa i agree with that i agree with that um
0: yeah and i think that it will be it will feel different than last summer you know we did get the summer of games and we got all these different companies doing their disparate little uh presentations and it w- it was great but i do think this i i do agree with you guys that the structure is valuable and having it all be part of one week and You know, I I think the Nintendo directification of the industry is fascinating and, and has been valuable to a certain extent in the sense that information comes at a quicker clip, I think, but also when you have a Nintendo Direct, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily special because you don't know exactly what they're, it can be for a very small tidbit of information. It's not these momentous, big, milestone moments that e3 and other uh, show events are throughout the calendar year and i think that that from my perspective is more fun when you go oh my gosh there's going to be all of the big information is going to be going to hit at these you know at tokyo game show and gamescom and e3 like these big tentpole moments throughout the year i i find that to be more fun and, and not like oh every couple of months there's a new Nintendo Direct and maybe it's just all a deep dive on the new Smash Brothers DLC you know right. it, it just doesn't feel as momentous um, so I I like that structure and I I hope we get back to it in some sense but also you know I think an, an online only E3 is tricky because for me a lot of what E3 was and what made it special was finding these little you know, diamonds in the rough, these, these gems that aren't part of the big presentations, but you're wandering on the show floor or you have some appointment with a PR company uh, that you fit in between these, you know, the bigger companies and you find these wonderful takeaways that you didn't even know existed before E3. And I think actually the summer game fest did a pretty good job of, of doing that uh, in a virtual form because there were so many demos that maybe you could download a demo of a game you hadn't heard about, and it would wow you that way. It's a, it's a more difficult thing to pull off online. Uh, so, like you, Demetrius, I hope that the E3 that we know and love, even if it's not, you know, even if it's a shadow of its former self, even if it doesn't have Sony and Activision and all these companies that pulled out before COVID uh, even happened— I hope we still have some semblance of it because I think there's value in it as a thing, as a place where a lot of these uh, unknown or, or you know, overshadowed titles
1: can have a, a moment in the sun as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, we also have to consider the companies that will be there. And obviously the, the two platform, you know, makers, Microsoft and Nintendo, you know, I think with enough you know, big companies that are going to attend E3. Maybe I'm a little naive in thinking this, but I do think that some of these companies will start to trickle back to E3 because, you know, if you've got Microsoft on stage and if you've got Nintendo, you know, with a direct on, at E3 and then a treehouse, um, I think these other companies like Activision and maybe Bandai Namco, uh, Sega, Square Enix, you know, maybe they feel like, well, you know, we're missing out on this. We need to be back there. You know, obviously Sony has, has not been at E3 for, I think it's the third year now, or maybe the fourth year that they're, they're not showing. Um, And, you know, I think they're a different, different animal altogether, but the other companies, I feel like they're like, you know, they're sitting out this year because it's a digital show, but I also feel like it's only a matter of time if, you know, they do mount E3 next year as just a, a normal show, as we're expecting to see, and Microsoft and Nintendo will be there, and Capcom and Ubisoft will be there, then I do expect that, you know, Square Enix, Bandai Namco, EA may start to return to the fold. Yeah,
0: I hope so. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if those companies, you know, like a Square Enix, has a, a presentation that just happens to be around the second week of June, you know? Yeah. it's like, well... It, Yes, it's not part of E3, but it's kind of like what EA has been doing the last few years. You know, is we're not part of E3, but we have this thing that's happening in Los Angeles in June. You know, it's it's uh, ultimately to the end user not that different. So
1: yeah, um, and I think you know, Mike. Uh, yeah, Microsoft they they're at the Staples Center, which is yeah. literally right across the street from the Convention Center. So it's it's almost like it's just convenient that they just have something there, right? Yeah, uh, even though they are technically a part of E3, but it's also very convenient for them because they they are literally right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it, Christian. It's enough that uh, we got the bumper back. That's all that really matters is that we get to play the bumper again.
1: That's all we need. Yeah. What's, Although wait, the summer whoa, of games whoa, whoa, bumper was whoa, pretty good too. What's what's the bumper? Oh, it's the little piece of music. <laughs> that <laughs> oh, okay. they, they call them bumpers. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, gotta,
0: they bump between uh, content. You uh, like yes, Sean Madigan and his lovely wife um, composed that for us, and I we love it um all right so christian spicer what is your story of the week well there are two two biggies left
2: and i feel like they're they kind of dance on opposite ends of a similar uh spectrum or two sides of a coin perhaps um because we've mentioned it already i will dive in on this last of us remake for ps5 and and some of the bigger news that i guess has come out around sony which um i don't want to spend time on this jeff but you know uh, that what is it? the Conosticator and Spistradamus? Like we get some stuff right, yeah, we do, baby, we yeah, we also do. really mess up MLB the yeah. show <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did, we did. We' like we spent like twenty it. minutes last week talking about. <laughs> The ramifications of MLB the show, uh, being on Xbox Game Pass. And then it comes out this week that Sony's like, yeah, no, we didn't want that at all. It was MLB. It was was MLB. We're like, what could it mean? You know, Sony (laughs) pulling these moves, doing this thing. And it's like, no, they they, they were like, what? We were just as surprised as anybody. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I mean, all I read was just that it was like the headline was just, it's MLV did that and me and, and you and i texted each other immediately and we were like well we whiffed on that one so <laughs> yeah you know apologies co- ladies
0: and gentlemen sometimes cool orange prediction we, we had we no run idea with the we run with the information we have at the moment uh, we had no
2: idea um yeah. this is the i guess a a a bigger story potentially um, originally coming out of Bloomberg, I think, and it's kind of this, which Sony has talked about for a while, their approach to blockbusters. They are making these big tentpole games. There's been talk before about how Game Pass uh, wouldn't work for them because of the model they're going for. It's not sustainable with these big tentpole first-party games. And then now it seems like that approach is potentially angering. Um, again, remember what we said about MLB last week. So please know, now when I start saying my feelings, these are just my feelings, <laughs> probably wrong. Um, but there has been a lot of, uh, at least a handful, more than a handful of devs leaving from internal studios and kind of striking out on their own or just post tweeting like, today's my last day, I'm forever grateful kind of thing. And if you you know want to connect those dots with a tinfoil hat on or not, it seems like there is some reaction internally from developers about this approach to only going for these big blockbusters be it um, studios that wanted to make their own IP or make a sequel to days gone being told no you're going to work on the last of Us remaster which uh, don't get me wrong I'd play the crap out of someone said as you're rolling your eyes at where did I see this maybe it was on reset era someone said like as you roll your eyes at the idea of a Last of Us remake just remember the Resident Evil remake on GameCube was one of the best of all times and it came out six years after the first Resident Evil I was like, Hmm. oh, yeah, dang. That was a heck of a remake on GameCube. So whatever. I love The Last of Us. I'll take a remake. But the story here is, I think, this division, potentially, within these studios and and what maybe this Sony mandate for exclusive big blockbusters is creating and devs maybe wanting to make their own thing. I mean, Sony has kind of swung from the place of quirky indies um, to horizon god of war last of us in some respect and i I think this is big news that again a few years from now we could look back on as an inflection point for for them as a company
0: yeah just to to frame the story clearly so that that folks uh understand all the ramifications i i I think you're absolutely right that it is a really interesting um trend internally at sony's first party but the the reporting from bloomberg was that sony bend which is the the developer that made days gone uh had pitched a sequel to days gone i think before the the first game even came out and that, called
2: weeks gone <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it was gonna be all the months gone and then it was gonna be you know like wow where's where's all the time one, one year gone you yeah know, yeah keep it that's that's just life um <laughs> Anyway, uh, then the game came out, did not do great. And so Sony said, no, we don't want a sequel to Days Gone. And they put them on, uh, evidently they put them on a version of Uncharted um, that supposedly, at least on paper, might still be happening. Uh, we don't know that. Over uh, uh, Evidently, the reporting at Bloomberg says that Naughty Dog is now overseeing the bend working on a, an uncharted game, which is fascinating. Um, and this last of us remake, um, for PlayStation five. So a lot to digest here, Demetrius, what, what do you, what's your take on the moves? Oh, and of course the thing that Christian brought up was that, um, a number of the top folks at Sony bend, uh, decided to leave in, because they had wanted to work on their own game and uh, Days before gone that. Two. If,
2: if we link the stories, folks from Japan studios also yes. Left. right, yes,
0: left, yeah. Um, so, what do you make of all this? It's 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 pretty messy, but but you know, yeah. walk us through
1: your thoughts. I mean, Sony was that company. Uh, PlayStation's that brand that had just this amazing legacy and you got you touched on it the the quirky kind of indie games the smaller games the gravity rushes the patapons Mm. the loco rocos you know all that all that really cool artistic stuff that came out from japan unfortunately none of it really sold very well you know and that's that's a real shame because many of those games are just so great you know um you think about japan studio they also did you know Ico and they did Shadow of the Colossus, and all all those just amazing Sony games that made you love PlayStation for what it was, right? And look, I think what's happening here is, you know, those smaller games or th- those games that just you know didn't sell well are just being you know tossed to the tossed to the side in favor of these big blockbuster games that that you mentioned. And look, it's no. It's no surprise, as well, that or it's no coincidence, I should say, that you know many of these games that Sony are, are making right now, like The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima, have movies or TV shows uh, attached to them as well, right? So, yeah, it feels like that they're they're shifting their their vision to these you know big blockbuster games only and unfortunately the real sad part is you know the people that you know have tried to to mount something internally you know a last of us uh, sequel or um you know days gone sequel uh, the uncharted game have not survived this because you know the the message now seems to be we're only focusing on on the big stuff you know we don't have yeah. we don't have the budget you know for for you guys because it's not part of our, our, our vision. And I think the real, you know, the sad part of this whole story is just the people that have left the company. Many people that, you know, worked at Sony Japan or Japan studios for, for you know, pretty much since the inception of PlayStation and now are no longer with the company. And, you know, the people that have left Bend, you know, have been um, veterans of the company as well for many, many years have left the company. I think that's the real sad part of, of this whole thing is that is is the human side mm-hmm. and look, as far as what I think about a Last of Us remake, um, oh, look, I, I will tell you, I love The Last of Us. I loved the first game and I loved the second game. I thought, you know, there was a lot of, obviously last last year, The Last of Us Part Two was a very polarizing game. A lot of people loved it and a lot of people, you know, did not like it at all, right? I'm in the camp that I thought the game was a masterpiece. It wasn't perfect. Felt like it was probably about five hours too long. They could have, you know, they could have edited some parts out of the game but i love the game i love the whole story so i think what they're going for with the remake of the last of us part 2 is they want to my my idea is they probably want to put part 1 and part 2 as a collection exclusively for the playstation 5 and add the multiplayer and then have that as a nice you know bundle of the first the, the first game and the second game you know with with some enhancements so i think the idea of why would you remake the last of us the Last of Us for, you know, the PS5 does make sense to me, even though, sure, you can play it on a PlayStation 5 with the PS4 remastered version, and that still plays really, really well. I can see why that, you know, they would want to do that. But unfortunately, you know, it is it is very messy, you know, and and, and um, I think ultimately it's just a real sad state of affairs, you know, seeing these people trying to do something, trying to to get something happening and only to be told no, you can't do that, and then obviously leaving the company in just frustration or, um, you know, or what have you in in that you know they, they just don't have a, a shot at at making some really cool stuff, and that's what Sony was you know was always known for over the years. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: um, I think you hit on a, a really interesting point that I think may explain this uh, as well, which is you know they are they are this pan media company now. And we do know that there is going to be a Last of Us television series, a high-profile, uh, was it HBO or Netflix? It's it's yep. a big, uh, big... HBO, HBO. Yeah, HBO. And so I could totally understand maybe wanting to have a remake of that game come out when the television series that's based on that first game, because that's what we've heard is that that, that television series is going to be basically telling the story of that first game again, makes a lot of sense. You know, um, Marvel likes to reboot characters that are about to have a big movie on the big screen. It just makes sense. People are excited to, to, you know, the Witcher three got all these, (laughs) a lot more people playing it after the Witcher TV series debuted. So Mm -hmm. uh, synergy there, I think might be part of the motivation. And I wonder, you know, as we've heard the, the uh, television series is going to expand the world a bit and tell a bit more side story and, and side characters from the the timeline of the first game. I wonder if maybe a remake could incorporate some of that new material as well. I mean, be kind of cool.
1: So you yeah. can play. I mean, I think, I think there is an opportunity to add content to the game and maybe align it with, you know, with, with the show in, in some more ways. And, you know, you know, also just remove some of the, the quirky things about the game, because I mean, it's a, it's a PlayStation three game. It's been around for a, for a little while now. So Yeah. yeah, they could definitely do that. You know, I think that's kind of cool, but you know, my biggest issue with, with all this is look, I'm not faulting Sony for what they're doing, but I do absolutely miss the legacy. And, in some ways, I feel like they are turning their back a little bit on their legacy and on their history, because, like I said, they've got such a expansive library of games and and quirky IP that that just they seem like they're not really interested in making it at the moment. At least that's yeah. what the story is, you know, that the report is telling us. But my worry yeah. about about this is if you if you just focus on the big blockbusters, number one the development time of these games is literally going to take five years, maybe more, you know, to get these games out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I think even bigger than that is I'm, I'm worried that it's going to be that formulaic, over-the-shoulder, you know, third-person style game. It doesn't matter what the, what the setting is, what the story is about, but it's, you know, the games are gonna kind of going to look the same as far as the way that they play, the way that they feel. And I hope Sony doesn't fall into that trap where they just make these you know these really cool, you know, experiences from a story perspective, but it's also kind of formulaic as well. You know, yeah. um, from from a game game perspective, from a game development perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean that might be part of the reason that Days Gone didn't do
1: very well, right? It
0: it maybe it was too similar to a Last of Us. Yeah, uh, that's certainly plausible that you know these games, the third person action adventure. With zombies, it it, it starts it starts you know cannibalizing itself a, a bit, mm-hmm. and I, I think you make a good point there. Um, I wonder, so yeah,
2: I, I wonder if again, just speculation as we're kind of diving into this, by selling these exclusives, well, one you can't find a box right now anyway. If you wanted to try to buy a PS five, but by selling these exclusives, they are you know must have Super Bowl commercial style games right like hopefully get zeitgeist around them everybody's talking about it you need to play it it's going to consume a lot of media airspace and and airtime and so you feel like you need to be part of this discussion so then you buy your ps5 and then sony doesn't necessarily need to have a whole bunch of those games coming out Um, you know they do take a long time to make but because that's where the install base is and that's where all of the quirky indies are also then selling their games on you know, on that console or on that platform. And since that's the console you have, you're going to buy Assassin's Creed on it. And they'll do like some marketing deal for exclusive DLC. Like I could see how it makes sense from a commercial standpoint. I think it's an easy marketing message to say, if you want to play, you know, big game, big game, big game, only on PlayStation versus the Xbox marketing strategy right now. And don't get me wrong, they are clearly going after some big games. I mean that Bethesda deal is is huge, um, among others, but it's kind of the Xbox thing is very consumer friendly right now. It's like if you want to play the best version of a game, any of your Xbox games, buy the Xbox Series X. They all look amazing. Yeah. Oh, okay. But what game am I playing on it? Any of them. Literally and also,
0: any of them. And also for ten bucks a month right you know hundreds of them but so you get yeah. that
2: splashy thing of like god of war only on it's it's yeah. it has that yeah, cachet so i i get it
0: well i mean that's anytime someone tweets at us christian and says hey which console should i get that's always the the comparison you make is well do you like those sony exclusives do you want to play spider-man and horizon and god of war and like uh, do you want to play those games if so that's the only place to play them don't really say that about Microsoft, although, like you said, that may be changing very soon. So um, yeah, it it is interesting. It's an interesting strategy, but I do think we lose some of that. You know, uh, Demetrius is so right that the, you know, in those previous generations, you would have those, you know, pixel junk Edens and all these like weird, fun, quirky
1: games had
2: upon even back yeah. to like uh um katamari before yeah you know, there's yeah, a yeah. whole legacy of them
1: did you guys play puppeteer at all on the playstation 3 that's one of my favorites
0: no i never played puppeteer oh, it's
1: it's it's awesome you got to check that one out okay. it's, it's one of those games that's it's at in in danger of getting lost forever too because obviously you know the playstation store is going down for the ps3 yeah but i would i would suggest you check it out if you want some nostalgia it's so cool
0: I would, I would guess, I guess you could say the, um, that, what was that graffiti game that came out this last year, uh, on PlayStation 4? Oh, Concrete uh, Genie. Concrete Genie. I guess that's sort of in that legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would argue maybe, uh, and Dreams, I think is basically their quirky, <laughs> uh, game as well. Uh, all right. Um, my story of the week is one kind of Christian was, uh, referencing a bit is, This interview with uh, Nintendo President uh, Shutaro Furukawa, uh, who, again, we're going to be talking about this through translation, so it's possible some of this isn't translated exactly or getting the the meaning he intended. Uh, He had an interview uh, that was uh, in Japanese, and uh, there's a lot of interesting information about his perspective on Nintendo's strategy, and I guess the big pull quote out of this is that... Uh, they want to make more new IP and not just focus on, uh, quote, long sellers such as Mario and Zelda. Uh, he said, I myself am looking at and studying various forms of entertainment. In the future, we will focus on creating new game series as well as long sellers such as Mario and Zelda. Uh, they asked him about if there would be a new Switch. He was a bit cagey about that, saying that, um, the determining factor will be whether or not it can create a new experience, uh, which is, I guess, very much in line with Nintendo and what they've done before. If the new hardware creates a new kind of experience, which I think they have shown over and over, they're willing to, to take big risks on. But I ask you, Demetrius, what what do you make of this new IP thing? I think all of us who've been video game fans for a long time, I think always are excited about the idea of new IP. But also, you know, Nintendo does their thing really, really well. And I might argue that folks who are real Nintendo fans aren't lining up for the uh, uh, what was the what was the boxing game with the extendo arms? My brain oh, just arms. Went. Yeah. Arms. Arms. yeah. I'm sure to, I can't even remember the name. I just said it. Uh, yeah. I mean, arms is an example. And some of these. I don't know if people are really looking for that. Am I off base? Do you think?
1: Uh, no, I don't think you're off base. I mean, I think it's an interesting interview to read. Um, Furukawa is an interesting man because I think he's probably the first president that I don't want to say, you know, does things his own way and doesn't really respect, um, you know, the, the previous presidents. Cause that would be, that would be a wrong thing to say, but it does seem like he's taking Nintendo in a new direction. I think previous presidents like uh Shatoru Iwata, for example, you know always had in mind kind of the you know the forefathers of of, of Nintendo mm. like y- Yamauchi, for example, who you know was very very influential and was around you know back in the early days of the n e s and the the Game Boy and all that stuff right so yeah. I think ultimately he's trying to pivot and change. And pull Nintendo in a direction for you know for success for the future. So I don't necessarily disagree with with what he's doing. And there are some, I guess, some franchises, some UIP that that have been very successful nin- for Nintendo. And the one that I I think about would be like Splatoon, for example. That that's something that ha- has done quite well for them. Even though it did come out on on the Nintendo Wii U, um, it wasn't exclusively for the Switch. So, I think, you know, they they can have success with new IP, but I think ultimately the the direction I think they're going to take this is they'll try new things because I think they want to do that, but there's always going to be the staples, you know, the Marios and Zeldas. I mean, if I think about this year, you know, we just finished Mario's 35th on March 31st. Mario died on March 31st, as we know, but... (laughs) Donkey Kong has uh, a birthday this year, or an anniversary this year. Zelda has a uh, anniversary this year. We we expect, um, you know, more more things to come out from Zelda. We were expecting something about Breath of the Wild two this year. I'm not saying the game's coming out this year, but we're you know maybe at E3 we'll see a Breath yeah. of the Wild two trailer with the release date attached to it. Uh, there's also talk about you know um, the uh, remakes of more Zelda games. Metroid also has an anniversary this year so there's a lot of ip that that's kind of you know sitting there that they can they can do things with and i think i'm not saying that they're going to, they're going to do all of that stuff but they always are going to continue you know to go back and and make sure that their long standing series are you know being taken care of as well so i think the switch is a, a good enough system and you know it's sold so many so many units that they can afford to start taking risks and and looking at new IP and you know and if it pays off for them, which most of the time it does, then they look like absolute you know geniuses. But if it doesn't, like like an arms, I mean, arms wasn't a flop by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also something they you know they they have that buffer now where they can try new things. And if it like I said, if it comes off for them, they they look really good with the with the Wii U. They didn't have anywhere near that that ability to do that, you know, everything had to be perfect. And obviously we know how that ended up going for them. Yeah.
0: Uh, Christian, this is probably my favorite quote from the article. Uh, (laughs) Furukawa says, quote, games are not a necessity of life in order for customers to choose games in their finite time. They have to be interesting. Competition is tough and I am not optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) again through translation so maybe it's uh not exactly the the meaning he intended but uh that makes me laugh and i also share the feeling (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: i mean i think there's a lot of truth to that you know the the time suck that tiktok can be or even just texting your friends or snapchat or whatever you know other thing that is competing for your time and your attention um I'm excited for Nintendo to explore new IP, assuming, you know, the, the truth to this. I love Splatoon. Um, Arms didn't flop only because they spring back to the body. Otherwise, I think they mm. would have, um,
0: <laughs> they would it have would flop. They just flop right to the ground there. I,
2: I, th- I think what Nintendo has done a lot of is different genre of games, but they put their stable of characters in
0: them. Right, so Mario Tennis and Mario Soccer and, yeah. Smash Brothers, Mario
2: Golf, uh, Mario's done everything, Mario Kart. And so I think in some regard, Nintendo has done a lot of new, IP's not the right word, but genres. You know, we were just talking about Sony, how right now they make uh, my favorite type of game, (laughs) the third-person action game. Um, A lot of different IPs doing that, you know, we, you know, Jeff, you mentioned maybe that was a, a detriment that it's too many IPs doing a similar thing. And while Nintendo has done the opposite, the same handful of IP doing everything, like yeah. every different type of thing. Um, so it's, it's weird, right? Sometimes it feels stale. Other times it's very fresh. Even Zelda, you know, you look at like, oh, Zelda a very old IP, but look how much it's changed over the 35 years that it's been in existence. You know, look what Nintendo did. And now they're, oh man, I I didn't play enough of this. I I literally only played one game. But Pac-Man 99, not Nintendo, but Mario 99, rest in peace. But like, they made a Battle Royale Mario game that wasn't what you'd expect. It wasn't Fortnite Mario. It was you playing Super
0: Mario Brothers. Well, I think that that's that's how they get people to pay attention to these other games, right? They stick Mario in it and... I don't think that's, I'm not criticizing them for that. I think that's probably smart, but I think that's why it's so interesting that he had this, this quote in this interview, he said, we want more IP because I do think there is a bit of that response to things like arms or whatever, when they're announced it's okay. Yes, but where's my Metroid. Hmm. Okay. Yes. But what's the next Zelda game? Okay. Yes. But where's Mario? And I think that they're you know, everybody expects those franchises to be the driving force and Perhaps there might be a bit of feeling that every, anything else is just filler between those things.
2: Yeah, I think they can break through that with just really great games. I, I, I think Arms was light on content, so it's kind of easy to to dismiss that in other ways. But you know, we talked about if AstroBot was made by Nintendo, right. uh, people would be shouting even from the higher hilltop you know, then, then people are already raving about that game. And so I think there's room for them to do that with different characters and different genres and to make something new. And I'm excited to see them do it. I mean, the the young talent, they're not that young anymore, but some of these young studios and developers at Nintendo that have been cutting their teeth on a lot of these properties over the years have to have new ideas. And I, I, I want to see them. To me, this is very exciting. And I, I'd rather have something new that, the you know geniuses that nintendo are passionate about than them saying i guess we need to make another x so i'm, mm-hmm. I'm optimistic
0: yeah well you may be but i want a t-shirt that says competition is tough and i am not optimistic <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant brilliant quote i love it uh all right uh let's move on now and talk about the games that we have been playing but first I want to thank our sponsor, ExpressVPN. How did you choose which internet service provider you use? Well, let me guess. It was the only one you had available because the sad thing is most people have very little choice because the ISPs operate like monopolies in the regions that they serve and then they use that monopoly power to take advantage of their customers sometimes. You know, data caps, hmm? streaming throttles. Yeah, the worst part is that many ISPs log your internet activity and then sell that data onto other big tech companies or advertisers. But to prevent ISPs from seeing your activity, one of the things I do is I use a VPN. And the VPN that I have been using for years is ExpressVPN. I used ExpressVPN well before they were a sponsor of this show. And I have found them to be the fastest and the easiest to use. So what is ExpressVPN? Well, it's an app, simple app for your computer or your smartphone or really any device. It encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP can't see any of the activity of what you've been doing online. So you just think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, every video you watch, every message you send, gets tracked by your ISP and uh, can be sold. You know, uh, information about that can be sold. And that's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN. It's the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and then you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. And that's the big one. That's why I picked ExpressVPN all those years ago is because a lot of those other VPNs will have noticeable slowdown in your in your internet speed. It's also why ExpressVPN is rated number one, the number one VPN on CNET and Wired. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash DLC, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash DLC. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash D-L-C to learn more. All right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Demetrius,
1: what is on your playlist? Well, I've been playing Outriders because it was one of those day one games on, that uh, dropped on Game Pass, which yeah. uh, I love. I love that that convenience of just having a, a new game to to check out and play, and not worry about buyer's remorse and stuff like that. Totally, yeah, yeah. So Outriders is kind of cool. I don't know if you guys have, have taken a look at it, but it's it's a um, it's a looter shooter in the in the in the style of Gears of War, but it's not as good as Gears of War. But it has that that formulaic you know run and gun cover shooter. Um, associated to it. it's got a really kind of cheesy story and the <laughs> yes. uh the the third person action is quite cool the cutscenes, um are, you know they, they're okay it's it's definitely not a triple a AAA game as far as polish but it's it's a dumb dumb looter shooter and i, I love it i love that that style of, of gameplay so it's keeping me entertained for a while
0: yeah, I, I I think it's interesting. I feel like Outriders is really right place, right time. Uh, it yeah. is hugely successful right now, and I I have a hard time comparing it to things like the Division or um, even Destiny and have it come out ahead. I feel like it's it's it, you know it does what it does pretty well. Uh, it's a it's a darn good game, right? It's it's yep. satisfying and fun, and the moment to moment is is really well executed, but it doesn't, I don't think it shines in any particular way. And Christian might disagree with me here, but I feel like it is, it, it really is in this moment where there wasn't a lot of other stuff coming out and it does what it does pretty well. And everybody can galvanize around this one game and play with our friends. Um, and I think that's fine. Like that's okay. It can be, it can be a just good game instead of a great game, but it's interesting because it's competing in a space against established great games that are all service games that are still going still going strong so it's interesting that people are so driven to find a new experience that they're willing to give this game a shot and i think a lot of it comes down to what you said to me just which is i already own it yeah, <laughs> i've right. already got it on game pass
1: yeah yeah and I th- you know i think it's it's also new as well because i mean you know, if I think about, and I used to play Destiny, the, the original Destiny game. I, I have not played Destiny 2. But if I think about starting and playing Destiny 2 right now, I just start feeling overwhelmed already because I know there's so many DLCs, there's so many add-ons and and expansions yeah. already, you know, and th- th- there's just so much you need to do to get established in a game like that. With with something like Outriders, I mean, it's only been out for a little while, so it's it's something that, you know, anyone can jump in and start playing pretty easily. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think I've definitely experienced that myself where I
0: feel like I can't join this community that's been going on for years, but if there's a new game in the same genre, I'm like, oh, well, now I can be in on the ground floor. Uh, I've definitely felt that. I mean, that's why I got into Heroes of the Storm so big because was like, I, I was too late to Dota and I was too late to League and I just felt like, oh, here's a game coming along that does all those same things and I can be part of its genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think- and I, I think too...
2: And I agree with you that it is a lot of right place, right time. But I think part of the appeal for me, and as I've seen people playing the Diablo two uh, technical alpha, I'm like, give me, um, yeah, but yeah. Is, is that approach to this game where I'm, t- I'm still playing it. I'm still really enjoying it. I love the powers. I love how it compels it, it. Like I said, it feels like an evolution of a gears of war formula. I agree that it doesn't do some of the things that gears does as well. Cause gears, especially by five and, uh, stormbringer no what's the last that standalone dlc so polished like gears Uh, has that formula down and outriders is messy at times but i like how it kind of like the cover feels more for the enemies than it is for for me and i'm flying around i'm using all my powers but i'm taking my time with it because it's not i don't feel as compelled to chase the current thing whereas a lot of these live service games it's like well if i do want to play with anybody I need, I should probably be doing what they're doing. I need to have the gun. Okay. Well, you know, it's where my Fortnite addiction, it's like, well, there are two versions of Fortnite that I would play. One is the mode I liked the best, which is duos or, or, or trios, uh, just playing with friends. And then there's the work. And I did a lot of the work where it's like, I don't really like big group games but i can grind through a lot of these dailies (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. and so i feel like those live services games often have that and outriders as a more you know traditional dare i say looter shooter it it allows me to play it how i want when i want and if i do jump in with friends it's fun to replay those missions because i'll get some cool gear and I don't mind jumping ahead a little bit because, um, again, for me, the story isn't why I'm playing. So I think it does a lot right, and I think gamers were ready for that. And I, I think, as you mentioned, it's not a $70 or $60 purchase so people, for people on the Xbox ecosystem. Um, it's even more enticing. But all of that said... It did really well on Steam with purchases. Yeah, I think it, it did. It was number one paid on Xbox also, so... Crushing,
0: yeah. They had more concurrence on Steam than Borderlands 2 did on its height, Its height, which is, that's huge. That's an established franchise at that point. You know, this is a new IP. It's it's, yeah. it's huge.
2: And it's had issues. Uh, folks lost a lot of inventory, <laughs> which is tragic yeah. in a game like this. And the server issues we talked about last week. But I, I do think this game is resonating for a lot of people that where these forever live service games take a level of working commitment that it's nice not to have to always get into
1: you also have to give credit to you know the the development team of that game because you're right you mentioned the the instability issues which, which kind of plagued the game in the first week where you couldn't get connected and you know you couldn't you couldn't um join your friends and there was inventory issues and you lost some gear and stuff like that. I remember when the division came out the first one, that had a similar launch yeah. where it was just a buggy mess of a game and had all sorts of issues with connectivity and that game really never recovered, but it seems like with Outriders they've got they've gotten past all that stuff now and it seems like it's bigger now than it was. So they've somehow survived that storm because that, you know, that first First, you know, week of, of a launch of a new game is really make or break in many instances. But somehow they've they've come out of this stronger, which is which is really cool, and that's that's a, a, definitely a credit to them.
2: So you're and saying fast, they survived fast. the storm and came out altered? Is that? Right?
1: <laughs> 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 Good uh, one,
0: uh, Demetrius. What class
1: are you playing in Outriders? If I may ask, uh, I'm playing the Trickster, which I oh, think is yeah. kind of cool. Like that's the one that he can you know teleport around. You know the baddie and, and you know shotgun in the face and all that sort of stuff it's it's fun and i like it and christian what about you what what, what class are you i'm also a
2: trickster i pyroed uh at the demo a year ago whenever that was but i i really um was drawn to the trickster i i'm it seems to fit my play style where I can slow down time if I get overwhelmed, um, but then also teleport around the map as I need to. Or there's a, a I, forget, I don't know the names of any of them, but there's one where you like drop a beacon and it busts your shield yeah. and then you activate it again and it brings you back to there. I love that ability, but man, I was disoriented the first few times
0: I
1: used it. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wait,
2: why? Have I- oh, great. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. But I think it's really, really fun. And I like that all of the builds are viable um i have friends that are playing devastator i think is the rebarb guy the tank one tank two.
0: man yeah i i've been tempted to roll up that character because it's not the description of the class isn't one that i usually respond to but so many people have talked about how fun it is i, I might give it a shot
2: they were wrecking they were higher yeah. level than me but it was just like oh you are a god i am a beyond it was really right. fun to see
1: cool uh what else is on your playlist demetrius the other game I just started, actually uh, today, was uh, Oddworld Soulstorm on the PlayStation Five. This was obviously a part of the PS Plus uh, thing, so I thought I'd download yeah. it and give it a try. I've heard we we got to give Sony
0: it. enough uh, the same credit we give Microsoft, right? Because because uh, yeah. this is a brand new game, brand new uh, uh, you know PlayStation Five game that's out uh, for free to any any subscribers. So.
1: Yeah, I, I'm enjoying this one. Uh, I I played um, the uh, older Oddworld games like Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus back in the day on yeah, um, the too. Xbox and stuff, and it's great to go back and and get into this world again because it's been a while since I have played an Oddworld game. I you know I think it's reviewing well, and that was one of the reasons why I decided to check it out, and I'm having fun. I'm only probably about an hour or so into the game, but really really enjoying it, and I definitely want to you know keep playing it. Uh, uh-
0: I have learned that I don't think these games are for me, um, which is fine. But and I you gotta give props to Learn Lanning for being committed to this this universe he created for so many years. It's 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 pretty wild. Um but I it brings up something for me because both this and Outriders, I think have terrible. Beginnings, terrible oh, opening yeah. sequences. Both of them, just atrocious. Yeah, onboarding of the player. <laughs> That's a good point. And and it really it really bums me out because I was thinking this week about um about that because I you know I played both the beginnings of both those games very recently and I just felt like you know in Oddworld you are just forced to endure endless cutscenes that aren't really well made and kind of bringing you up to speed if you haven't played these games which are old games it's not like you just came off of the last uh odd world game but if you don't know the lore and you don't know who abe is or what's going on it's kind of meaningless and there's there's so long before you do anything as a player you're just watching things happen that are kind of cryptic and odd and then once you do start playing the game it's this kind of learn by dying thing and the opening sequence where you're running away from fireballs and stuff. And I just feel like what? don't hide your game behind this horrible first impression. And I feel like the same thing happened with Outriders. We talked about it a bit last week, where the beginning of the game is, A, nothing like the rest of the game. Right. So it's not giving you an impression of what you're actually in for. And B, insufferable. I mean, it's, it's truly... Uh, difficult to get through like this endless lore sp- spewing uh, at you. And this week after uh, people were recommending it to me last week uh, to, to play it again on PlayStation five, I redownloaded God of war from 2018. And I, it's interesting. My, my last save game is almost exactly two years ago. It was like the 18th of, or the 14th of April, Uh, 2018 which i thought was pretty interesting um but man the beginning of that game is perfect it's i mean i think it's one of the maybe the best game in my opinion of all time uh, just on a pure design sense but it, it brings you into that world so beautifully the first thing you do is interact with the game the first thing you do is you make kratos chop that Mm-hmm. That tree down, you're interacting with the game, and it feels like a cutscene, but you're doing something. And that you know, that single camera and you're guiding the character and you're in the engine of the game immediately. It's telling you a story, but it's not making you just sort of sit back and watch a movie. And I, I it made me think, like, and what are what are the greatest beginnings to a video game of all time? I know I'm kind of putting of you guys
1: yeah, I was gonna say, um, I mean, I, I I I'm with you, uh Jeff. I love the God of War intro. Um, I mean, if if there was ever a game that just pulled me in, it was that. But The Last of Us as well is oh my god, that intro. I mean, I still just, you know, get emotional when I watch that introduction. It's it's pretty hard to watch, but I man, it's so good.
0: Another game where you're playing immediately, right? It's not asking you to sit and back and watch them set up the story you're in it you're involved you're playing it you're doing things you're getting in that car you're trying to escape it's i i think that is a mistake that way too many developers fall into and i don't understand why it's so common to not give the player something interesting to do immediately
2: it's the Um, reason why there's been sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no go ahead Let's say Mario 1-1, uh, JP in the chat said Mega Man X. Like, there's that legacy <laughs> yeah. of that site. You know, it's like explained by doing, not by saying. And I think right. a lot of times because we have these gorgeous cutscenes, it's like, let's wow them with this thing. And it's like, okay, that's beautiful. And then it's like, now play. The game's a Rubik's Cube. And you're
1: like, wait, <laughs> yeah.
2: what's happening? Um
1: there's, there's also something really cool about, you know, I think about a game like Breath of the Wild, which again one of my one of my favorites of all time you know Z- he links link comes out of the cave and he's like on the uh, on the on the mountain and he's just looking at the at the at the world right and it's like well what do i do now and that's that's the the amazing part is you can do anything you want in that world you know it just yeah. it leaves it up to you to decide what you want to do next and i i always think about a game like that where it's very minimalistic in in, in as far as the story because you don't really know what's happening at the start of Breath of the Wild you don't really know what's going on and you kind of learn the story as you progress but it's so much it's so cool just to you know to basically be in control of of the of the character and the world and be able to do whatever you want and i think that's very powerful as well it doesn't have to be a a narrative driven story all the time it could be just this open world landscape and truly really up up to you to decide what you want to do you know
0: yeah no i think that's a great point and i i think you know, people have heard in other mediums this notion of show, not tell, right? And I think from my perspective, video games need to have an addendum, a corollary that's, you know, do not show. I think even showing, the sh- the showing can be active. It is an interactive medium. And I think uncovering the story or having the story laid out in front of you because of the way you are interacting with the game is always going to be preferable to just starting your game off with ten minutes of cutscenes and and or things that aren't really part of of what you're doing in the game I want to know what this uh, I want to know my the vocabulary I share with this game world and I want to know it immediately I want to understand how you want me to interact with this world, not who these characters are the care the character is me you know yes maybe I'm playing as Abe maybe I'm playing as nathan drake it doesn't matter it's still me it's my decisions so don't spend an hour telling me who this character is let me discover that and figure it out and, f- and find it by doing yeah yeah i wanted to That's bring it my, back to so Oddworld. Biased.
2: i have not played it um i f- i'm very shallow here i find the character designs of the world not anything i want to spend time with they seem gross to me like they seem like nightmares like these are the things that crawl out of my closet and scare me
0: i mean that's very intentional right yes that's, that's the point but I, yeah yes
2: but uh, it's just like gross <laughs>
0: um it's this intersection between cute uh side-scrolling mascot and kind of a hideous nightmare creature <laughs> i think that's where the odd world wants to wants to sit
2: so but this game just starts with like Again, I haven't played it. I know I could just download it. I'm a PS Plus uh, subscriber. <laughs> but it starts with, does it, is it a catch-up? Is it a previously on? Or is it like, you've no. played the last five of these games, here's where we are,
1: cut it's, scene? It's one of those games where it starts, you know, you're in this predicament, and then it's like, you know, a f- uh, it was like uh, th- two weeks ago or something. And yeah, something like d- that. it goes back a little bit. But it doesn't really, you know, to Jeff's point, it doesn't really give you a backstory about, who you are and what this world is and what's going on. It just kind of puts you in there and, and you know, it's up to you to kind of figure out what's happening.
0: Yeah. It it, it, it starts with a, a really cool sequence, which I wish I would have been able to play, yes. which is you're on this moving train. It's being attacked. It's like, wow, that's an awesome sequence. Yeah. I'm sitting there waiting to take
1: control, you know, and it's and yeah. happening. It's like, well, what's going on here? You know, you
0: never, yeah, you watch this really cool animated version of that scene. And then it does say like two weeks ago or something, or, you know, seven days earlier whatever it is uh and then the seven days earlier or the two weeks earlier is a bunch of people going yay abe saved us which i assume is a because of the previous game but i just have no memory of if that's true or yeah, not i'm so assuming i, I think yeah.
1: this game is essentially abe's exodus right like it's it's yeah. just a remake of that so the first game abe's odyssey he you know he saved the world he saved everyone so that was probably the you know, the beginning of that. Right. So to your point, I mean, if you, if you've never played these games, if you, if you're not familiar with what odd world is, you're not really going to have any idea what's happening here. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. It's very, I mean, I think the me-
0: eventually the game's mechanics get interesting and you've got all these little, you know, uh minion characters that you can move around and do certain things with. And it does get interesting, but it it's just why It, it is a, a constant and repeated, in my opinion, mistake that a lot of really smart developers seem to fall into. And I don't understand it. And it bums me out every single time I see it. So anyway, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist?
2: Well, you were talking about a game that just uh, pulls you in and tells you, I was like, oh, you're setting me up. Like, you know exactly what's on my playlist. Um, uh, that's not it. I wanted to pull this up. There it is. Um, Before Your Eyes, which Sean Kittleson talked about, was that last week, two weeks
0: ago? Yeah, it was last week.
2: On this very show. Oh, no, two
0: weeks ago. Sorry. Yes.
2: Um, yeah, Anthony was last week. I was provided a, a copy, a review code, um, a free copy of this game. Um, I'm going to try to not get emotional as I talk about it. It is one of the, I mean, it's recency. It was, I literally played it Sunday morning um, today as we're recording this. One of the most impactful multimedia experiences I've had. Um, And so I will back up a little bit. I'm not going to spoil anything about the game, but it is a game that is controlled by your eyes when you blink. This Um, is a game on mobile, right? I played on PC on Steam. Oh, okay. And you turn your camera on to play it. You turn your camera on to play You do not have to use your camera. I believe you can click. I did not play that way. Um, I uh, I did have to restart. Like initially, it didn't recognize my camera, um, or like it just didn't look right. So I restarted, launched back, and it worked flawlessly. And you, and you calibrate your eyes quickly. Um, but again, it gets you in and playing very quickly. The one thing I did not know at first is it's like – blink here and you, you actually use your mouse as well to like look around in the world. So you put your mouse over a thing and then blink. And that's how you move like a intro screen forward. That was not super, super clear to me. Um, but you would, you progress by blinking again, this experience might be very different for other people if it doesn't recognize them well, or the, their webcam doesn't work well. Um, mine worked flawlessly. It felt like I didn't notice any misread blanks or it moving when I didn't want it to. Um, and it is a 90 minute to two hour story. I recommend you play it in one sitting and it is a, a story about someone's life and, and reflecting on it and looking back on it. And I'm going to be very general here. I, I do not know if it will have the same impact on people who aren't parents And on people who um, haven't, I don't want to say don't, but probably also don't, haven't spent a good chunk of their life questioning whether or not they're a creative failure. Um, And I'm very privileged. I'm very grateful to be able to do what I do. And I realize the success that I've had. but I think self-doubt is common. Uh, Depression runs in my family. I'm sweating. I'm being more personal than I wanted to be. Um, (laughs) But my God, this game, the way it connects you to the story being told and, and brings twists where twists are needed, and the fact that you're advancing things by blinking, Connects you to this experience in a way that I think um, just moving in a 3D space wouldn't, or just watching it as a film that advances on its own time wouldn't. Um, It you you don't want to blink sometimes, (laughs) and you do. I mean, I was bawling. Mm. I'm just I'm like, I'm crying, and I have this, and it's like, oh god! And then it blinks, and it moves ahead three times, and I'm like, no, I just didn't want. And, That's and, wild. And
0: is that is that part of the intended experience? Like, is it built? I have to. to I have anticipate that.
2: I have to think. Yes. Like. Mm. I, concluding it, I don't feel like I missed anything because of the way I played it. I, I, I read one review after I played it and it was like, it's frustrating and insufferable. You're holding your eyes open so you don't miss any of the, any of the scene that you're in. And to me, that's, it's supposed to be that way. You, you miss it because you blink mm. like it, it's right. you in this moment. Yeah. Um. Again, I, I got a code for it. I think maybe it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks. Um, it's incredible. Uh, I, I cannot, again, recency, I just played it, but I cannot recommend this experience enough from
0: There's n- my point of view. There's nothing that sounds less appealing to me than control a game with your eyelids, but hearing you talk about it, I have to play this. I'm, I'm so excited to play this. It's, it's
2: phenomenal. It, it's absolutely phenomenal. And I think that control method, it, again, you can use a mouse and click through it, but that control method, it feels new and innovative and and it feels like bringing you yeah. it brings me into the experience in a way that clicking a you know press x to mourn like what a joke here it's like well you advanced five things because you're crying
0: <laughs> it's a wild thing to have part of a control structure of a of a narrative experience be something that you only have uh, you know partial control over you know some involuntary thing i i blink often without blink knowing a lot li- i mean you
2: watch this stream if anybody watches this i'm a, i'm a mess i blink yeah. a lot both but- of us are like hugh grant over here with <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need i need to play the game i need to have mark zuckerberg play the game you watch his like senate testimony <laughs> Mark <Zuckerberg's laughs> just
0: like <laughs> He's like the uh, the uh, done quick guy of this game. (laughs) No, he's
2: the opposite. He doesn't get past the start screen.
0: It's like (laughs) blink, and he's like, "I'm blinking." It's like I don't understand what the big deal about this game is. It's one screen forever.
1: (laughs) Blink blink to stop. I I, I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
2: But and it isn't. It's it's an experience. You know, it's a it's it's a one time. I I don't have a desire to play this again. maybe try to see if I can see different things like that isn't what entices me. Um, but it is a game I will think about for a very long time. And I think that's a testament to it. I'm, I'm super glad. Um, you know, I I don't know if skybound didn't pick it up if someone else won it, but I'm so glad it's out. And I, I cannot recommend it before your eyes. It's an incredible experience. Please play it in one sitting. And I hope that your webcam works well for you
1: um <laughs> how long is the game overall
2: under two hours I, I think it was about 90 100 minutes something like that um
0: yeah it's beautiful
2: it's, it's 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 beautiful
0: i'm gonna try to play that this week that sounds incredible uh i'm i'm glad i'm glad you spoke so passionately about it because um i i had forgotten that sean mentioned it and i uh, wanted to check it out just out of curiosity but now it sounds like it's something that we shouldn't miss or i shouldn't miss
2: it will wreck you so tell oh, your good. family, I'm, I'm in here in my <laughs> office alone, like with headphones on, just knowing what people outside like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that is before your eyes and it is uh, on mobile and on steam. Evidently.
2: I think it's just on PC. I don't think it's on mobile.
0: Really? Cause I thought he mentioned it. Like they tested it on all these different, I, think I it guess it was, be, I guess actual camera webcams. Yeah.
2: Huh. I think it might be coming, but I think it's, I think it's only on, uh.
0: It feels like a, I mean, talk about a game, a game that uses a camera. It feels like it needs to be on mobile, right? That's where people are staring at the screen and real close and it's got a camera already and it's set up.
2: It's real nice.
0: Interesting. Uh, All right. Um, Let me thank our second sponsor right now, which is Third Love. I love when Third Love sponsors the show. Uh, My wife loves it as well. She's a huge fan of Third Love. Uh, Third Love is all about creating the perfect fitting bra. And there you have a number of techniques to do this. Now, my wife swears by third love at this point. It's the only bra she will wear. Christian, I understand your wife loves third love as well, right?
2: Yeah, and I said it last time, and I'll say it again. Another recent (laughs) more purchases have have happened since the last time I mentioned more purchases have happened.
0: Yeah, that's my wife is always like, do you have a promo code for 3rd Love? I'm like, I think it only works for your first purchase. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you should check this out because uh, designed for the Perfect Fit, as I said, how do they do that? Well, uh, they have this thing called the Fit Finder Quiz. You just answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fitting bra in 60 seconds. Not sure about your size? Easy. You take the 3rd uh, Love Online Fit Finder Quiz You find the size and style that's right for you. Many, many women are wearing bras that are not the correct size and shape. And in fact, Third Love has half sizes, which makes it even more precise. Uh, And they also, you know, over 15 million women have taken that Fit Finder quiz. So they've been able to iterate on it, refine it and make it perfect so that you find that perfect fit. In fact, they have the perfect fit promise. They stand behind their products. If you don't love it, every customer has 60 days to return their bra and then returns and exchanges are free and easy. Also, they have fit stylists that are available to help via chat or email if you have any questions. It's pretty great. And the uh, the comfort and quality is their top priority. They make sure they have they use these uh, memory foam cups no slip straps scratch free bands it it's it, like i said it's my wife's favorite bra it's the only bra she wants to wear at this point. point plus third love donates all of their gently used return bras to women in need supporting charities in their local san francisco bay area and across the united states so far third love has donated over 20 million dollars in bras It's pretty wonderful so Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for anyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 10% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash D-L-C. Um, as I mentioned, I have been playing um, God of War. I intended only to download it and just see the sixty frames per second on PlayStation Five, and then I just got completely sucked into that game. And I'm like, am I might, am I replaying God of War for 2018 right now? Because it's so incredible, uh, and I may ve- may very well do that. It, the The silky smooth sixty frames is incredible. <laughs> it is. I'm playing it on a, a TV that has HDR, and I didn't have HDR the first time I played it, so that. Is eye popping. I mean, if this this game is two years old or three years old, excuse me. uh, And if it if it came out today, I feel like it would, you know, it would feel like a completely contemporary, modern game. It is extraordinary. It is such an incredible game. I love it. I mean, I'm
1: playing it for the same reasons as you. Like I. I uh, I'm going through it again cuz I didn't have a great TV the first time around. I only had a base PS4. So I didn't even I didn't have the Pro at the time. So, being able to play it on a PS5 with HDR and and 60 FPS and all that stuff, it's it's almost transformative really.
0: Yeah. It's it's so silky smooth and beautiful. Oh. And man that 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 single camera uncut single uh shot through the entire game i can't believe they pulled that off and i i have a hard time expressing how much it means to that experience it is it is unlike any other video game i've ever played and it is um it's truly an achievement so i might be playing it again i might be playing through the whole stinking game again uh because it looks so fresh and new on my on my PlayStation 5. Um, we did get a listener suggested or excuse me, a listener submitted game review. Uh, this comes to us from Jordan. Uh, Jordan says, uh, hi DLC. Uh, since you've quite reasonably expressed reservations about the story themes in It Takes Two, I wanted to dig into the gameplay. It's an absolute game of the year contender, in my opinion. And I'm so impressed with what uh, Joseph Ferris and his team put together. It takes two is a masterpiece of game design with seemingly endless creativity and variety. There are so many distinct gameplay ideas, and every 20 minutes, my friend and I were doing something new over the 10 to 12 hours the game lasted. Right when something is about to overstay its welcome, the game dropped it for something else. Whether open-world exploration, puzzle-solving, creating music, playing mini-games, experiencing linear, uncharted-like set pieces full of explosive spectacle... Or simply looking at a gorgeous skybox while you're miniaturized inside a snow globe looking at the outside world, Haze Light is just showing off nonstop for the entire run of the game. It's not just quantity though, it's quality. The game controls better than most other platformers, and despite the variety, everything was just tuned perfectly. What surprised me most though, was just how utterly gorgeous this game is. It looks stunning on next-gen consoles I played on Series X, running at a smooth 60 frames per second while looking like a Pixar film. And somehow its visuals are as varied and high quality as its gameplay. I was not expecting to be totally blown away by how technically and artistically incredible It Takes Two is. Anyway, I totally get your concerns and hesitations about the story. I just hope you give it a shot anyway. The story is pure camp, and while it's not that great, it's skippable if you choose. The game is worth it for everything else it does. Finally, while it's well known that there is a buddy pass that lets two people play with only one purchase, what's lesser known is that the buddy pass is also a 90-minute demo, which both people can play for free. Thanks for years of entertainment, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Christian has, you know, expressed on on Twitter and elsewhere. I think maybe even here on the show, um, not interested in playing this game. And I've been looking for a buddy. It, there's a lot of pressure to find someone to play. It takes two with because it's a commitment. It's asking for commitment, multi hours and scheduling sessions to play. And I've been trying to find a friend. I mean, to do and that with
2: Valheim has a VR patch so there's
0: there's Uh, that's the uh, thing
2: yes you're not optimistic
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly there's a lot of games competing for my time i'm not optimistic (laughs) i really really want to play this i know and then i started god of war like an idiot and (laughs) played many hours of that Uh, anyway i really want to play it takes two i just need to find that person that that person you know i need to i need that person all right Um, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But modern vintage gamer, it has been so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, gents. It was uh, an absolute blast to be on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, and that's where I normally hang out day to day. And uh, my uh, handle is at modern vintage g. I'm also on YouTube at modern vintage gamer, and I usually drop a video at least once a week on a Monday. So, if you like uh, getting geeky and uh, and technical with with all things video games, game consoles, retro hardware, uh, check out my channel. It's uh, it's a lot of fun most of the time, and uh, that's really about it. Just uh, YouTube and and uh, and Twitter is really where you can find me
0: yeah you, you and Christian were having this incredible conversation as we were getting the show ready and I was like, oh, we're burning cast here this is uh, it was great. you guys were going off on uh, on retro uh, arcade sticks and stuff. It was really fun to listen to
1: yeah I, i'll
2: I'll uh you know continue on your channel. It's fantastic like your your stuff on Thank YouTube you. is absolutely fantastic. It's like I've watched enough of it seeking it out that now like as much as I hate the algorithm, the algorithm knows and it's like, oh, Monday. And my internet's like, (laughs) new video. And I'm like, okay, algorithm, you win this time.
1: You know, I I used to, before COVID, right? So I had this plan about, um, see, I I do YouTube and I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm not one of these YouTubers that like drops a video every day because I just don't have the time, right? Um, So what I normally do is I'll do a... Uh, a quality video, most of the time at least, uh, every week, and the thought process was it would be on a Monday morning at you know seven am. I was when I would drop the video, and before COVID, I did that because you know you go into work Monday morning, you know you you hate your boss and everything, so. The first thing you do is read email and watch YouTube. So you got this MVG video <laughs> waiting for you to to have an escape from from reality for you know for a little while before the first meeting of the day begins. But um, it's it's been great, you know, and I appreciate uh, all the all the fans and all the listeners that have jumped on board. Especially the last you know eighteen months, uh, the channel is going really well.
2: Yeah, I I, I need to remember things. Oh, I didn't know I'd bring this up, but I saw a tweet where it's like, remember how your dad? loved uh like what was it diners and jukeboxes that's you right now with yeah. uh, old games and arcades and i was yeah. like i feel seen like this train <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as my dad built his hobby model trains my daughter sat in here and watched me try to get a modern fight stick working on my analog mega sg like what are you doing dad i'm, like, I'm busy mind your business <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's important amazing. stuff right there
2: yes it is i mean Punisher's not going to play itself you know what I mean? Right. like i That's gotta
0: right.
2: <laughs> i gotta get the experience
0: <laughs> awesome all right christian what uh what do you got going on this week
2: uh new newsletter should be dropping i said last week it probably wouldn't drop last week and i was right um but you can subscribe to that at tinyletter.com slash christian spicer um as I think, I usually do about two a month, and as I kind of, I, I have like four drafts started that, like, then new things come up, and I'm like, I want to talk about this. This is wild. But speaking of wanting E3 back, there has been news, 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 news these past few weeks. It's not. I think I find a meaty issue I'm going to dive into, and then a you know a bigger T-bone steak lands <laughs> on my plate. <laughs> but I think something's coming out this week. And uh, Twitter at Spicer S P I C E R and then i will say that i've been um putting a lot of time into the deluxe edition pages of consequences and i'm so oh, yeah, excited. Yeah, you showed
0: me a preview of that. It looks
2: sick. I did. I'm making what i'd want from like a, you know, director's commentary kind of like notes on the sides of scripts and i'm very excited. Fun. It's progressing well and i'm i'm very excited for folks to get their copies. Awesome.
0: Uh well, For me, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have a number of other shows for you to check out if you're so inclined, uh, including The Dungeon Run, which is back, baby, back. We're two episodes in uh, on Twitch now, on YouTube, as a podcast. Lots of ways to watch The Dungeon Run. All you got to do is search for it. We're twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. And this week is going to be a big one. A big one. We have gotten ourselves into quite the predicament the heroes of bingle a uh, dungeon of course is my big live play dungeons and dragons basically a fantasy storytelling adventure and what an adventure it is uh the team was doing a heist things went horribly wrong as they often do and now it's turned into a rescue mission uh we have half the team inside the sewers being attacked by monsters and one of the team has been shackled and brought inside the mansion they were trying to steal from. So it's going to be a wild episode. You don't have to have any previous knowledge of the show to jump in on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Uh, also, the Slash Filmcast is where I talk about movies and TV shows. You can find that at filmcast.com. I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And I do a show about football, in fact, the fan-controlled football league, on Thursdays at 2 30 p.m. at twitch.tv FCF. You can always email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And let's get our parting gifts.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion of what-
0: Demetris, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
1: I'm getting really big onto photography. I mean, obviously as a YouTuber, I've got, you know, um, camera equipment and stuff, and I've always really been just using it for just, you know, filming, uh, B-roll and stuff like that. But I've been spending more time outside and, you know, taking photographs and, and learning how to take more of those artistic shots. So I would, I would say get outside, get your camera. It doesn't matter if it's you know your DSLR, or your uh, your iPhone, and uh, take some photos because there's some really, really pretty landscape out there.
0: That's great, I, especially as as spring is springing. You know, it just it's uh, it's great. Great suggestion. Great suggestion. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? You got a parting gift? I have
2: a parting gift and a comment. Um, as uh, Valinus in the chat mentions, "Invincible" on Amazon. Um, oh yeah, so good. The Platinum Age of hero comics content being made just an invincible falcon winter shoulder wandavision still exists like there's someone who's just discovering that um snyder cut wonder woman all of the mcu mo- it's like there's so much out there and it's almost all so very very good uh we are spoiled i want to recognize how spoiled we are harley quinn on hbo max what a treat of a of an animated show um it's also good. My my parting gift would be uh, an old-school Nerf football. Not the Vortex, <laughs> not the harder plastic one with, like, the 20-foot tail that you can throw farther than that old Powerade Michael Vick commercial that got the internet by storm before the internet was – virality was a thing. I mean, the kind that – in a few years, a squirrel will eat a chunk out of, and you have foam <laughs> everywhere. And they still sell those? They do. I got one recently. Wow. Ours is technically a junior, I think. Maybe that's just what they're called. But it's incredible. I'm having tons of fun throwing it around with my kids. Don't uh, let it
0: fall in the pool, though. It'll <laughs> never – the water will never come out of it. Never come – you're squeezing it forever.
2: forever. Part of it gets sucked into the filter in the pool, but yet the ball's still complete. Like, you don't know <laughs> how that works. It's just like a time loop. But they're great, man. They're fun. Uh, you get a little reckless inside and they're fun outside too, because no matter who you are, you know, court, best quarterback in the world, it's still a little bit of a knuckleball because they're so light. <laughs> the wind will just take it. So like you could be, you know, Randy Moss in their prime and you'll still hit you in your face one out of a hundred times. Cause you're like, I got it. And it wiggles classic nerf foam football, tons of fun.
0: Can I tell you what we used to do with the Nerf football? My dad, on Sundays when we'd watch 49er games growing up in the Bay Area, uh, my dad would sit on the couch at the back of the living room, and the hallway was uh, parallel to his seating position. And you would you could go down the hallway, and then there was like a little cutout window where I could see into the uh, the couch, and then it and then that cutout window would lead into the rest of the hallway the wall. And then I could come around to the right in front of the television. So I would stand in the back of the hallway and I would, my dad would yell hike and I would run down the hallway and he would either throw it to me through that hole or as I made uh, a, a right turn in front of the television. And sometimes he'd fake it to me in front of the hole and we would play for hours like that. I'd be running routes and catching the ball. My dad would be throwing it to me from the couch and it made my mom so furious because she's like, you're going to hit something. And it was nerfed. So we didn't care. Yes.
2: Like I said, you was, get reckless inside. Best. Like Again, best. N- 99% of the time you are fine. And then it's like that yeah. 1% of the time you do hit that thing that you weren't supposed to hit. And you're like, oh no. Yeah. But there was that
0: one time. There was the one time where my mom ha- ha- had the uh, the Christmas ornament that her grandmother had made by hand and h- she'd hung it from the ceiling. My dad's pass sailed a little high and it smacked. <laughs> into that bad boy and knocked it into a bizillion pieces. Yeah, not not <laughs> yeah. a good day for the, not a family.
2: Anyway. Classic, classic Nerf football. Go get one. That's anyway,
0: fine. now my parents are divorced. Uh, I need classic Nerf football. Um, my, my parting gift. I, I, I know that I mentioned this last week, ladies and gentlemen, but it's the only thing I watch now are Lego YouTube videos. I have fallen so far down the rabbit hole of Lego YouTube it's all I watch. I watch it before I go to bed. I watch it for hours. I'm fascinated by the world of mocks, which is, stands for make uh, my own creation. People, the absurd levels of creativity and skill creating these, uh, these mocks. I told you about uh, Brick Vault, and I've, I've mentioned uh, a couple of other YouTube videos, uh, channels, I think. I found a new one that I'm going to mention because I think it's delightful. It's called Sacred Bricks. And it's this kid, I assume. The voice sounds very young. And he's telling you how to, like, tutorials on how to do these incredibly complicated, expert-level design ideas. You know, how to do rock formations or how to build fences or realistic-looking this or that. And he's doing it with such snarky commentary. It makes me laugh. I, I usually don't, you know, go for the the real snarky YouTubers, but man, the combination of like super nerdy expert level Lego design with, you know, self-deprecating lines about it's, it's very funny. It's very funny. So I recommend sacred bricks. I think this kid deserves a lot more subscribers than he has. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm delighted by it. All right. We got a listener-suggested parting gift sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Clay Westing. Clay writes, I've been listening to your show for a few years now. Wanted to send in a parting gift. My parting gift this week is to go sound recording out in nature. It's actually pairs very well with Demetrius's uh, take pictures out in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound recording. We always think to pull out our cameras when we see a beautiful vista, but we often forget about the sounds of nature, be it Chirping birds with gentle leafy breezes, or the tapping waters of a lake. Or, I guess, it's lapping waters of a lake, excuse me. Uh, As a sound designer, I personally use a Zoom H2 handheld field recorder, but you can always use the microphone right there on your smartphone. You'll be surprised how much listening to a unique sound you recorded makes you feel like you're back in the place where that memory was captured. Thanks for always creating such fun and wholesome content every week. The show has always been a stable and positive treat whenever I need the pick-me-up thank you clay that is really cool you know i i think about professional sound recorders um like our friend rob Krekel, uh doing that kind of thing but i've never really thought about doing it on an amateur level and yeah that sounds like an awesome idea so go out take some photos record some audio sounds like a, a, a good twofer
2: i did that in new york um Once my dad left me a series of clues. My uncle left me a series of clues (laughs) and I had to scale buildings to find it. I don't know why he didn't just tell me the sound again. He was like, Mm, go mm, here mm. and listen to the rhythm of the train tracks. And I was like, thanks (laughs) onk. But uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did them all. It was a lot of fun. I got a new suits out of it. You got to do them all.
0: I, uh, I, I would get really into the sound recording thing, but then I would be worried that my entire city would be destroyed and that would be all that's left of me.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the big bad knew what I was doing. So uh, she was cool. With <laughs> uh,
0: all right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks again to Demetris Giannakis and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for watching the show live and hanging out with all of us in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you who download and listen to us. We appreciate your time, and we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.